This is a horror game podcast. It is meant for mature audiences. It may contain shocking revelations, violence, and sexual themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I are playing World War Cthulhu RPG. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. We continue with World War Cthulhu London. Uh, it was written by Matthew Sanderson and Scott Dorward. This scenario is entitled Midnight Sunrise. Our keeper of arcane lore is Matthew Sanderson, and this is episode three. A recap will be given by Josh Harwood as his character, Dr. George Gross. So, without any further ado, delay let's continue our journey into the darkness josh thank you voice in my head hmm so well it's been an odd time i got back in touch with Teresa. well i say got back we never really lost touch not really Ugh, it's a shame edgar's here it's a very damn damn shame edgar's here but it's okay. It's it's. Uh, I spent after our little run-in at Teresa's house, and in preparation for if visitors arrive, me and Davich were having a pleasant evening while Leland and Edgar were in the shed. But I really don't know what they were thinking, being out in a shed. Well, me and Davidge were enjoying the nice inside. However, it soon hit the fan as <clears throat> we had some interlopers. Ugh, yes. Who would have guessed the carnage that would have occurred from some interlopers? It ended in a, a, a little parlay. <laughs> and, um,. John, well, John got very, 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 very injured in this whole process. He's a little worse for wear. He's becoming more and more invisible. And, well, we did manage to put an air... Well, I say we. I wasn't really involved. I kind of went off and tried to get a police officer and just stayed on the side. And I... I think I might have found God or some other being. I don't know. But the others managed to put an end to these weirdos, these other people, these strange folks who may or may not worship a, a being from the sky, but shot down. Ah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful creature in the sky <laughs> at a glance you'd have thought it was a star or a passing comet but no it was a beautiful being or am i just going mad i probably am a little mad yes anyway we continued onwards leland got his medical attention which he really really needed 
Um, and we had, we ended up devising a plan. We split up. Um, Davig and Melvin ended up going to visit Dunbar after a little while. We did uh, make sure Teresa was safe and all. Um, eventually, John would join um, Davig and Melvin, but uh, for now, he stayed with, with me and Edgar as we did a bit of research. Uh, eventually, this led me and Edgar to going to Chamberlain's office. He's a plastic surgeon. And uh, we were let in. Yes. But we were some kind of... Uh, the police let us go in, which was bizarre. We definitely have some kind of guardian angel of some sort. We were definitely wary. And I might despise Edgar, but I can at least trust his... Um, professional standards. Uh, within the office, we found uh, the most important thing, which is a folder on Aurora. Um, and it revealed her plastic surgery was very bad. Uh, her face is stuck. It's horrendous. She's like a plastic doll, not able to move a muscle stuck in an endless cycle of her own beauty, I guess. Meanwhile, the others were at, the off at Melvin's office, which is also Teresa. Teresa was having an affair with Dunbar. God damn it, Teresa, why would you do this? Uh, Davidge, from what I have heard in the grapevine, who knows, I... I don't know. I can only guess what happened at the office. I'm I'm currently not there, so uh, whoever it is I'm speaking to. Maybe the voice in my head. Uh, oh, God. Um, from what I gather, Davidge decided to wait a very, very, very long time to see Dunbar. They met a man called John Smith. Very odd name could be common, but who knows. And Miss Davis, who is the secretary to Dunbar. Uh, John Smith was a very bizarre man, and they were keeping an eye on him. But let's speed along on this voice in my head as we end voices staring at me. I don't know how voices stare, but I'm going mad right now. Dunbar was, well, David Shaw Dunbar, Melvin was there, and then crack! A bolt came through and got him. Indeed it did. Yes, so we have the scene as outlined by our uh, dear Dr. Gross. We'll begin with the first, uh, the first two words that lots of keepers like. Sanity check. No. Uh, pass. Okay, well that was easy. Right, uh, zero on a pass, so you're all good. And now we go into dex order. So, uh, the the lovely ball of fire coming through the window goes on dex of 90. 
So its action was to blast straight into the back of Dunbar's chair. He goes up like a Roman candle. He starts screaming. The smell of burning pork fills the room, uh, slightly overpowering the smell of burning uh, very expensive furniture, lots of uh, leather uh, catching. Uh, the intense heat bursting through the room, not to mention the cries of the fact that there's glass raining down the street outside. And people outside have evidently seen something because there is just this ball has gone straight through the window. So next up, I believe, is for those in the room, it's just uh, Green and Harris. You're the only two that are in there, yes? Yes. Yeah. Right, so of the two of you, the next is going to be... Green is slightly faster than I Yep, Green is on 55, and then Harris is on 52. 52. Right, so 55, you're up. All right, so when the blast hits, um, I mean, obviously we're counting for that that moment when you're just sort of stunned yeah. for a moment like this. The temperature obviously goes whoosh, up through the roof. Uh, I'm going to throw my jacket up over my head and uh, dive for the door to get out did the door stay on its hinges or did the door blow out as well oh the door's still shut um this came in through the window from the outside right so, so yeah, but you, the you blast didn't sort of shove it okay so i i run to the door i open it and i run out with my uh okay. my jacket getting all singed probably in the process yep no and problem. i yell melvin <laughs> and he replies three points later on 52 Nala and Green out. Uh, there's a fire extinguisher just on the wall between this and the conference room. It, it might not be too late for Dunbar. He might end up looking like Leland, but it's worth a try. So pop that off and go in spraying. Okay. It will take you around to get out to get the fire extinguisher, and then you'll be able to come in next round and try and hose the, the ball of flame at that point. Yeah. Also, of course, is the office is, you know, it's a beautiful wooden desk. It's full of papers, files, books. So I'll also yell fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think various people are going to start to re uh, react to that. But yes, as uh, Melvin has said, there's a lot of flammable material in here. There's a lot of paperwork that is just itching to go up in flames. And well enough, we'll cycle back to the top of the round. Uh, once the ball of flame has immolated Dunbar, who is now screaming because he won't, it doesn't take him uh, like three seconds to die. He is completely uh, engulfed in flame Sorry. at this point. Uh, the ball just starts to hover and quickly move around the room. This thing moves very, very quickly, like faster than a person running. Uh, mechanically, it moves at move 11, so it is quite quick. And it just goes around the room bouncing between all the fi the filing cabinets um, any coats hung up on pegs it's setting the place completely ablaze so that's its action is just to uh, start doing a loop around the room and we go back to uh green on 55 uh, fire fire call the fire brigade there's a fire something's <laughs> happened that there is commotion. Indeed, the receptionist at the other um, the other end of the co uh, corridor, out in the reception, is frantically seeing the uh, this glow of the office illuminating behind you. Um, her eyes open wide like source uh, saucers, and she starts not quite to panic, but tries to fumble down to the uh, the phone, tries to pick it up, and starts to dial as quick as she can. 
but it's an old rotary phone. It's not going to be a, a very quick process. This um, this building in the 1920s probably built earlier. Uh, did they have fire alarms on the wall yet that would cause the sprinklers? Uh, they would have been updated. Uh, a lot of the buildings here date date back quite considerably older than the, uh -huh. uh, than the 20s. But there would be fire there would be fire systems here. So okay. you almost so I'll run for one be... of those and pull down the the switch to yeah or um elbow wicks. No, a lot of them sometimes are you like have break to break glass the glass and you yeah buttons yeah break the glass and pull the fire thing yeah so there'll be alarms all these bells start ringing in different parts of the of the building and then we're round to Melvin. You have your fire extinguisher in hand, and suddenly you have a whole room ablaze in front of you. Your stunning silence. Is the is the ball of active fire still bouncing around? It's still in the room, yes. I didn't see anything in the garden last night, so this is the first indication I've had of sentient fire, so I think it's appropriate for another sand check. Oh, you, you passed. That was what the sanity check was for. Okay. So the, pa pa passing it is there's a zero point loss. Fair enough. Uh, so I uh, I guess I'll pitch it at Dunbar first on the off chance he'll survive this. Although it might be more merciful to let him continue to burn. I don't think I can process that philosophically fast enough when the man's still writhing in agony. Mm -hmm. So I'll start at the desk and begin to hose things off. Okay, give me a, this will be firearms handgun roll, so that you can aim it and be able to try to start trying to put him out. Kitty, it's not rifle. Oh, but I rolled a 13, so I'm successful. Okay, all right. That uh, can make it hard for three if it's worth it. It'd be extreme would be better because that would be effectively doing the maximum points that it could uh, try and put out. Oh, why not? Mm -hmm. Let's do it right. That's uh, so nine. Nine down for an extreme. Right. In which case, then he's taken five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. But that's halved on the second, so that's five plus six. Seven. I have to do a bit, a bit of maths because this is where it gets a little bit complicated. And also compare against his hit points, of which he has, or maybe had, ten. You're able to hose him. And yeah, you are. You're lingering on that thought again of maybe it would have been more kind to just let him burn, because you think he is pretty much this close. He's in a very similar situation to poor, uh, poor John, that he is going to be scarred for life, and he is hanging on by a thread at this point. <clears throat> well, if there's any more juice in this canister, then I'll start going for keeping it away from drapes and things. I think the desk is probably a heavy enough wood that it'll take a while to burn, but filing cabinets are fairly heavy, but wherever there's loose paper or whatnot, how bad is the air in here? At least the window's open. Yeah, the the, the, the air is uh, starting to smoke up um, in here, because while the window is open, 
it is the only source of air getting through here apart from the co- apart from the corridor through the open door so smoke is gradually working its way out the corridor and out the open window but as i said there's a lot of stuff burning there's a lot of smoke which is starting to fill the air it's not becoming chokingly bad yet but give it another couple of rounds and you're going to find it difficult to breathe in here Yes, I don't trust myself to try to move Dunbar. I'm going to uh, attempt to suppress the fire sort of in a ring around him so that if there's a chance that the firefighters can bring him out. But I'll keep spraying until the canister's empty because, you know, the office might go up. True. I mean, there'll definitely be plenty. uh, There'll be enough time for this to be used for a few more rounds. It's not going to suddenly expire in a few seconds. So... At the top of the next round on 90, uh, the ball, seeing that you've put out Dunbar, immediately changes tack and goes straight to attack Dunbar again. So let's let's have you roll for, the, uh, for this time rather than uh, me do all the dice rolls. So do you want to give me a roll of 90 or less? 27 is that. That's a hard. Uh, then 2d6. Oh. Well, he'll suffer no longer. Eight. Okay, and a, another percentile roll. Seventy-two, which is above his con, his con of fifty-five, so he takes the full eight points. Uh, at which point, Dunbar again, once again, is suddenly almost spontaneously combusts as soon as this thing touches him that the work you've done to put him out that you think oh he should be fine now immediately erupts again and screams one last time before he collapses in a, p- a pile on the floor um the ball at that point after it leaps off him hovers in the air and if anything you get an impression this thing is looking at you with this feeling of it's annoyed at you and there is definitely hostility radiating from it as much as the heat Damage, what do you want to do? I'm going to run back. I'm going to run back to the door where, uh, because Melvin hasn't come out yet. Nope. And I'm, I'm, I'll run up. And if I see uh, Melvin standing there holding the fire extinguisher, I'm going to take a couple steps in, grab him, and pull him out. I I imagine that he's lost in the smoke, uh, unable to figure out how to get out. Uh, I don't see what he's been doing with uh, with Dunbar, gotcha. and the whole room is on fire. So now that potentially will help speed things uh, speed things along a bit. But uh, to give the player agency here, would uh, would Melvin object to being pulled back, or would you go with being uh, pulled? I, I'm going to just uh, when he grabs me, I'm going to not know who it is or what they're doing, and so I'll just jerk away. And I'm a little a, bit probably grapple. Yeah, that's that's why I'm going to put it out. Um, if uh, Davidge can give me a fighting brawl uh, versus Melvin's strength to see if he can pull out of it. Oh no! What did I get? No, I'm not strong enough. So I've grabbed a hold of it. I'm like, I'm like, Melvin, Melvin, we have to get out of here. There's something here, man. Yes, fire. 
You don't want to be in in the hospital with uh, with uh, Leland. As long, right. yeah. So yeah, uh, most background to Melvin. Then you've uh, you've managed to reflexively pull out of uh, Davidge's grasp. And um, what do you want to do? And how big is this ball of intense flame? It's relatively small. It is mechanically size one. If anything, it's almost like a like a. Well, not even the size of a golf ball. It's probably somewhere like a large marble. It's a real sprite sort of thing, right? Oh, yes. Spark. Uh, yeah. So I think I'll uh, I'll take aim at it, but having seen it just blisteringly zoom back and slam into him, sort of want to shoot at it and start backing away. And again, I'm sort of like suppressive fire. I want to step back and make sure it doesn't shoot into my head and but i would like to kill it to death if i can well normally because of its size you would have a penalty die to try and hit it um however because you are using something that's not quite an area of effect weapon but it's not as precise as a bullet but it does have like a, a cone that it extends out in when you where when you grab the handle and squeeze uh, that will cancel out your penalty die so if you want to give me a firearms handgun roll and see if you can uh, shoot this thing with, yeah. uh, with CO2. My luck on that has run out. 91. Uh, you you squeeze and you start trying to wildly spray the room, hoping you can get this thing. Uh, this thing, either you either it moves and dodges out the way, but in either case, you, you don't think you hit it. And then once you're waiting for the, uh, the white cloud to dissipate, um, at the beginning of the next round, it just shoots out of the window and goes straight up. The fire brigade's been called. They'll be here in a moment. Yeah, so I'm going to be beginning to worry about what's above me that's on fire. And so, yes, backing toward the exit. Yeah, you can see flames crawling up the walls. They are indeed licking at the ceiling. Uh, bits of the plaster work are starting to give way and the fire is just catching everywhere. It's starting to engulf the whole room. It's starting to encroach out towards the corridor. It's not blocked off your exit because it's not spreading that quickly. Right. But this is the time to get the hell out of there if you don't want to end the up. The building's blocking. on fire. Yeah. 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 And this, and if I leave the office, then I can sort of try to keep it from getting into the larger space until the fire brigade shows up. I've got a little bit of juice, so... Yeah, we will we'll leave you in the in that moment. Then hosing down the corridor, so the doorway, keeping the fire contained in the office. But yep, all the paperwork, all the records, they're all gone. Right, and then we'll skip over to see what everyone else is doing while uh, while you're waiting for the fire brigade to turn up. So, um, Gross, uh, Angrave, and Leland, whereabouts were all you three? Let's uh, remind ourselves of where you were. I believe we were just at the offices of the uh, late surgeon or plastic I surgeon. In, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> <clears throat> so I will come out and be like, what the fuck happened, Daffage? Oh, so Leland was in the um, the offices with um, Green and Harris. Okay, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you um, yeah, you say you come out the bathroom and you, you get what's uh, happened in that point. You're sa saved by the toilet break. But we'll, get, we'll we'll cut back to you guys um, to you with them in a in a moment then. So, um, Angrave and Gross, you were both at Chamberlain's office. Um, I'm sure the rest had... of our friends are doing fine, so we should look into Aurora. 
Yes, we 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 don't we definitely need to anger. What? Oh my god, I called you anger. Um, Edgar. <laughs> it's all right, Doctor Gross. Yes. I'm struck by a wave of formality. I know. Caught me by my I caught myself by surprise. It's all right. I could get used to that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> how do we figure out more about Aurora? I'm sure since she's uh, very well off, they might have paparazzi or some kind of newspaper contact. Yes. Is she a local to where we are? Well, one of the things that we can say this is a kind of re not retroactive, but something you may well have noticed when you're having a look through her file, that you would notice that there would be contact details for her as a former patient of Dr. Chamberlain, which lists her address in Greenwich. Um, she has a very prominent manor house, which is just down the hill from looking at the Royal Observatory, a very expensive part of London. Wow. Very, very, very expensive. Well, yeah, she's definitely wealthy, Edgar. Now, do we do we have an understanding of whether she's a friend or foe? No, that's, that's, that's for you to decide. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking Dr. Gross. Yes, you're asking me. Right, yeah, sorry, sorry, Edgar, I thought... I've been having these bouts of weirdness recently. It's driving me a bit cuckoo. Um, yes, are you, are you quite all right? You were laughing maniacally that uh, just the other night. Oh, it was just an episode. That's all. So, what were you asking? Do you think whether I think she's friend or foe? I, I don't know. Um, this all seems to it's all connecting to each other, and if you were in her shoes and ended up like how she is. I don't know why people would do this kind of modification. Oh, well, I can understand people who've, who fought and got injuries and things like that, but a beautiful woman resorting to this. I've, you know, a woman scorned and all that. I feel she might... There might be more to her, and I don't trust her so i don't think she's neither friend or foe at the minute i think she's a in-between an enigma for now until we learn more well this is I what would... we do know we know that aurora got into an altercation mm -hmm. with uh william whitaker whose hotel had caught fire and scorched yes. her and then she went for surgery mm -hmm. and the surgeon ended up dead Dunbar Indeed. is the uh, person who processed the court files and court proceedings. And we don't know if Dunbar's dead or not. Well, he's alive, but he we know he was a target. I hope he's yes. going to be all right. Yes, I hope so too. Um, it's just, it's all connected to her. I would definitely like to say she's more on the faux scale. She's, as I said, she's still in the middle. But, well, why would she be a foe, right? If, if do you think she's targeting people get that the, are helping her? Because the surgeon helped her, and Dunbar, I've, I'm assuming, helped her. Yes, I just when you get into things like this, you don't know whether what you're actually seeing is real or not. You don't know if there's a cover up. When things happen, especially mistakes like how her face is 
Well, I'd like to think it was a mistake. Well, ha- looking at our seen. files, are we under the impression that the plastic surgeon did a shoddy job or an incredible job? By the standards of today, as it is for you mm-hmm. in the ni- uh, the early well, the early nineteen forties, but for her, it will be the when the surgery was done. It was the mid to late thirties. It was absolutely outstanding for Standing the time. For for that time. Period. Right. The fact that the fact that the surgeon was able to give her back her features to the degree he did is unparalleled. He is an expert at what well was an expert at what he did. But... So that leads me to the conclusion that like, why would she try and do the surgeon harm then? So I think we need to get into contact with uh, Aurora at some point or the other once we regroup with our friends. Yes, that's definitely a the next port of call but i don't know i feel uh, you're you're a pi i'm not into this well i I like my occult and things like that i there's definitely an occult angle here well there is but i i just want to leave uh i saw more than that but yes um i just she's in that middle i i I don't know. Let's talk about it. Um, we'll see, but we definitely need to talk to her or someone in her circle. But right, there's only one way to find out. There's just that niggling feeling. There's something more to it. All right. If you are going to, you're going to try and meet up with the others. You're going yes. to. Say for for sake of ease, head down to Dunbar's office where you know they were waiting to go into a meeting with him. Yes, and we can probably see the fire, the smoke <laughs> in the distance, and the fire brigade. Yeah, uh, that was... that's not too There's good. A couple of fire trucks down on the um, down on the street outside, which are hosing the office from the outside, pointing up at the uh, the first floor window. At which point there's, say, lots of water, plenty of bystanders on the other side of the road, but they're being kept at bay from getting from getting too close. And you'll find uh, Davidge, uh, Harris and Leland uh, having been evacuated from the building by, by the fire brigade once they've gone inside as well to try and tackle this like a pincer movement from... <clears throat> from both sides so you you were able to find a nice quiet area away from everyone else maybe a little bit further down the street because again there's like a gaggle that are all a bit further close to the building you can just take a little bit of a walk and you've got plenty of privacy to discuss stuff out it's still in the open but you've got a bit of privacy what is going on now we figured that we would have to talk to the police Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the, that that will definitely happen at some point. But there are right. plenty of people here that there's, you've got the fire brigade, which are trying to uh, trying to deal with this. The police will be dealing with, let's say, some of the other employees which were leaving the building at this point. That you are basically in line. They haven't quite got round okay. de- to dealing with you yet, so you have a little bit of time to discuss stuff. How uh, how many stories is the building that the law office is in? Oh, three. So this was a middle built uh, middle floor. Right, so there I'm still dealing with evacuating from the third floor and any number of matters. Yeah, yeah, probably still putting out the fire. No, actively. Oh, so yeah, they are. They are still trying to hose it, so it's going to take a little while to get this down, get this under control. I don't suppose this is a coincidence. No, it was not. Uh, are we all together now? Yes, yeah, you, you can be all together. Um, I wasn't quite sure 
what happened. It happened so quickly, but. So there was a very suspicious fellow who made an appointment with Dunbar today who called himself John Smith of all things. He was the blandest looking son of a bitch I've ever seen. John Smith. John Smith. It's a very I think conspicuous I've heard name. Huh. Carrying, carrying <laughs> an umbrella in this weather. Uh, David, you chatted with him a bit. He seemed a bit rum, yes? Well, uh, I don't know. Um, he seemed odd just because he was there. Um, it's it's odd. It's like nothing in particular stood out about the man, like he was cloaked in blandness. He wasn't interesting at all. Um, he had mm. a small, short meeting. Uh, I I eavesdropped a bit, which was very clever. But their their discussion seemed inane, un, unimportant. And then when he left, we went in and. We we warned Mr. Dunbar, and then there was the glass in the window behind him exploded, and suddenly his chair and he himself were engulfed in flames, and uh, I was pushed back. I yelled for Melvin, and I threw my, my jacket over my head. It's the second jacket that I've destroyed this week, thanks to fire, uh, mm. and I ran out the door. Uh, I alerted them that there was a fire, and I pulled the, the fire alarm. Melvin stayed inside. But what did you see, Melvin, when you were inside? So I went back in with the fire extinguisher to try to save Dunbar, to save the office as well, for that matter. And I, the man was in extraordinary agony, uh, managed to put the fire out where it burnt him, and then this sprite of flame shot back into him and he went up again like a Roman candle. The damn thing hovered in the air and I could swear it looked at me with malevolence. He was also, chosen. It set the whole apartment, uh, the whole uh, office on fire with a rapidity that unless the place had been doused with kerosene beforehand, it couldn't have gone up so quickly. I've never seen anything like it. It was definitely supernatural. The living star got him. But what's the, what we're star? Not going to tell the police that. Oh, we're not going to go to the asylum. What star did you say, Gross? I no, I didn't say anything, uh, Melvin. Sorry, you must have um, misheard me. And putting that together with the the stuff that you just told us, um, it sounds like more and more like this woman you've mentioned is getting revenge on people by burning them alive. They they wanted to burn him alive last night. That's my that's my take on it as well. I don't so they trust burned him alive today. So do you suppose that? This John Smith was in league with the uh, fellows that you burnt up in the garden last night? Mm, so, so obviously, this John Smith is an ordinary man, bland as whatever. He had the blandest conversation in the world. 
to me that just screams <laughs> there's some a motive of some kind maybe he was there to give let's let's just say this is a hit of some kind because we've had two in the space of whatever and maybe it was to make sure it was clear for whatever to happen happen or maybe this is an ally because me and Edgar, we seemingly have a friend because we managed to get into uh, the the office in no problem. It's, the police had said we they were expecting us or something, and able to Someone go in. Someone the door for us, practically. Well, so, and, and didn't you just tell us that there was a note on the file? That's correct. Telling yes. you that this is what you should... It's like somebody's leading yes. you to it. Did, um, did you identify yourselves? Or were we they didn't really get a, else? We didn't really get a chance to uh, speak. It was almost like it was open to us on a platter. That's correct. So perhaps they were expecting another party altogether, and when you showed up unexpectedly... No, you know, it was, I don't a, it was a fabrication. The police don't, yes. don't do that. I think this is... It's not just a coincidence. I think there's more to play at this, and we have become pawns in this game of chess. Well, I mean, I'll be a bishop at the very least. Thank you very much, Doctor Gross. The thing is, now let's 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 look at it from a completely outside, objective point of view, Mister Smith, Mister John Smith. We're assuming that's not his name, but there are definitely people who are named John Smith in the world. Yes. Um, he he made an appointment earlier in the day. Fortunately, he got there before I did, so he got the sooner appointment, but it was still towards the end of the day. He seemed very bland. He went inside, had a, like I say, a rather inane conversation with the man, and then he left. Now, if he was just an innocent, unimportant bystander, I think that it would look exactly the same as it did look. He was just an innocent bystander. He might be nobody. Because if somebody had the power to call down sentient fire, as you're describing, it came through the window. Why would he need to be there at all? Why did they put that... Uh... Uh, that uh, um, altar stone. In oh, there's there's definitely somebody who wanted him dead. Yeah, but it yeah. might not have been John Smith. Perhaps well, John Smith had a miniature altar stone and he chucked it under the desk while he was talking <laughs> about employment contracts. That's a exactly. possibility, and the evidence would be gone, wouldn't it? Because of the fines. So. John Smith wanted to confirm that Dunbar was going to be in his office at that exact time and or, place indeed or john dunbeer fire what john dunbeer is completely unrelated to this at all are unrelated no 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 i'm sorry uh, john, john smith. smith john smith yes um well, you could I, ascertain that he was in his office from the building across the street indeed that, or maybe john smith was there for a different reason but i actually don't recall what the conversation was at this did point, you get his but... card Actually, did I get his cards? Did I exchange cards with him? It might be something that I would have done. You talked I... about occultism with him, you mentioned. So you might uh, have exchanged some data. It would have been polite, the polite mm -hmm. thing to do. 
yeah, he wouldn't have given you a card though. Um, <laughs> however, you can give me an idea roll. John Smith. What a name. Definitely not common at all. Uh, 61, that is a regular pass. Okay. And I think also Gross and Angrave, either of you can give me an idea roll as well. Yes, let's give this a go. He'll certainly have had to give Miss Davis a card or mm. something of the kind, oh, but what not is... survive. I got a hard... Okay. It's when Mel uh, Melvin says that that uh, it's definitely angry with a hard. This little light bulb comes on uh, above you. Above I your got head. an extreme, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and go grow, gross. It's a bigger light bulb, which shines a bit brighter. Um, you suddenly think that, particularly gross and angry, meant uh, suddenly remember. Hang on a minute. The lady who came out from the office opposite Chamberlain said that a detective Smith had been by and told her that you were going to be coming by. Also, then you think, well, hang on a minute, we've got this handwritten note that was in Aurora's file, and Melvin knows that he would have had to sign in, uh, sign into the office to say he'd arrived. You've got two sets of handwriting comparisons. You can see if there is physical evidence to see if it is the same guy. Yes, okay. I didn't. That didn't That's... even out of I. I didn't even catch for detective. She said his name. I. <laughs> yeah, oh no very Damn. nice well was... uh i do have a base forgery i mean i have above base forgery at 30 so i think i should be able to recognize if the two are the same yeah yeah you just need access to the you just need to get back in the building and have a look at the uh, well the building's still on fire that, that gotta... section of it is on fire but not the not oh, the, oh the sign in you're right yeah mm. Another thing is that if this guy did leave some sort of evidence in there and it was a rock, it doesn't matter how much you burn a rock, you can burn a rock forever That's and it'll true. still be there. But it could end up being at the bottom of smoking rubble 10 feet down. Well, the fire is not going to destroy the entire building, luckily, in this case. It probably would have in Teresa's house. Marble but, has a particularly high burn uh, temperature before it starts to break yeah. down. Mm -hmm. uh, just a a normal, well, I say a normal fire like this wouldn't produce enough heat to be able to break it down. You would have the problem that it'd be under a ton of rubble. It's going to be collapsed pieces of broken furniture underneath it. There's all the water damage caused by the fire brigade. But at least from what uh, Davidge and Melvin saw of the scene as it unfolded, you certainly don't recall seeing anything that odd being like thrown under the floor. I mean, it could have been under his desk for all you know, if it was even there. But you didn't notice anything like that. Did you notice that he had a briefcase walking in? He had an umbrella instead. An umbrella. In uh, this did weather. Did he leave his umbrella? Did he come out with the same umbrella? He... I believe what he yes. did because I it, it caught my attention. He also um he made the appointment uh somewhat late in the day, got the last spot, and then he went out and sat in the car and watched the building for a bit before he went away. So all in all, he behaved peculiarly. I don't, I don't trust think, this John Smith at all. And if, and if your detective is also named Smith, well, it is a common name. I think we have a, a decent hypothesis to test. How um how crowded is the front entrance where the sign-in sheet is? I think it would be possible to get in there. Um, you would you'd you'd be seen doing it. 
uh, you'd be going almost pushing past a couple of police officers. You still have to get round the fire brigade, which are up there. But it would be possible, assuming that no one tries to stop you. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to push around my uh, my clout, technically, as a previous ex-police officer. Huh. Uh, so if you'd like, I could roll law. I, I, I'd buy either law, persuade, okay. or credit rating, any of those three. to be. Able I think to you're going to get law today. Answer. Well, also, you know, it's it's the office in which I work. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so I can say I urgently need to go back and retrieve a couple of things now that things are under control. Uh, and this uh, investigator will assist me. Will just be a moment. Yeah. Uh, for you, for your assistance, I'll give Angrave a bonus die on your roll to try and get up. Great. Love the bonus die. Love it. Uh, oh, 90. And then. <laughs> And then <laughs> one hundred. So at the minute, the police are kind of looking at you, going, uh, "We we understand that there's the obviously sensitive information up there. We obviously know that Mister Melvin here is a uh, a person we need to speak to uh, because we're obviously seen as a witness. But we're not going to be able to let anyone through for for at least like an hour or so because this this is like an active an active well, partly. We're not too sure if we can call it a crime scene, but definitely a, a hazard is up there. It is an active fire. So yeah, the, for, for your own good and for your own safety, they are saying, yeah, don't do not go into a, kind of into the building that's burning. That's not such a good. But idea. what if I push it? You can attempt to if you wish. Uh, or maybe Melvin has the key to the back door. <laughs> I'm sure I have keys, but didn't you say that they're spraying from both sides yeah. they're, they're going from the inside and from the outside yeah. so there is a group which are already in there as well um I'm... i think i'm gonna push it i'm gonna say i'm gonna do my duty as good samaritan and ex-law officer to find people still in the building and get them out okay roll it watch watch me fail no we're good we're good 40 46 out of 50 okay oh. you lean on the public duty and at which point they say, "Well, yeah, it's kind of our it's kind of our job to protect and serve." Although I'm pretty sure that's a that's a motto from somewhere else in the world at this point. Yeah, uh, well, come on, we'll we'll let you through, <clears throat> and they uh, they yeah. quickly usher you through. But under the basis that, for God's sake, hurry up and don't get yourself burnt. It's too much paperwork to say how a civilian got himself <laughs> burnt in here. All right, let's do our thing, Melvin. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Mel Melvin knows exactly where he's going, so you head straight up there. Uh, past the fire hoses coming in, uh, the water hoses coming in. You see down the corridor these two uh, two firemen holding this thing back as they're trying to spray upwards and try to then let water drop down onto the fire. Trying to and uh, try while to I'm walking out. by these firemen, what kind of gear do they have? They have fire resistant uh, clothing, correct? This is the nineteen forty. Uh, so nineteen forty. It's not yeah. That so they might. Great. Yeah, because I'm thinking about how happened. to. How to get some for ourselves in the future, should we have to deal with living balls of fire? Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, you. There are certain industries which would be uh, would better if you can find someone that does, say, like a uh, furnace work, so like a a blacksmith, for example, yeah. something like that would be the easiest uh, the easiest place to go to to get that kind of specialist yeah. gear. And I'm sure Doctor Gross would happily pay for some uh, supplies that will keep us all alive. Money, money, money. 
but yeah, you can you can get an idea of the kind of stuff they're wearing, so it would okay. give you an idea to build a shopping list for stuff. Uh, yeah, for stuff I'm making later. a yeah. mental note. Yeah, all right, and you can say you can easily get the book um, that was still still sat on the front desk. It kind of been knocked to one side, but it's still there, and you can then retreat at your leisure to uh, to compare the notes out uh, the notes that you've got and the uh, and the book outside uh, with Angrave having forgery. I'm not going to make you roll for it. It's the same handwriting. This the 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 note and the signing was made by the same person. Okay, and on the way down, because you mentioned that this was on the second floor, right? The offices. Yeah, it's the, the American second floor, English okay. first floor. I would I would absolutely love love to get the fire extinguisher a floor down for my own personal uses. <laughs> I I don't think anyone is going to object yep. to you walking away with one. Yep, you have a fire extinguisher. Right, and I'll toss it in the car once we're out of the building. Mm-hmm. All right, as you're going off to the car, that's when a couple of uh, couple of officers come over towards, or constables come over towards uh, Green, Harris, and Leland, and we can go montage through this. They will essentially just ask you a series of questions to give a statement as to uh, kind of why you were there, what ha- what happened, what do you tell them. Um, do you tell them the truth that hey a fireball came through the window and killed the guy or are you trying to put some kind of um, more less or less crazy or less uh, less unbelievable explanation on this Uh, Green and I have been conversing about this uh, of course and it makes sense that uh... no we do not mention than fireball shot through and, and emulated him. Uh, we do, I, so there was a fellow who made an appointment today who went in just before who seemed a little peculiar, but uh, we were there because we had a, uh, uh, we made had an appointment with Dunbar to stay after a few minutes uh, to discuss, uh, well, inter-office matters to, to a great extent. Uh, and shortly after we'd entered the door, there was some sort of pop or bang. Would you say it was a pop or a bang, Green? Well, the window shattered. Uh, so it was like something came through the window. And then suddenly his chair and he himself burst into flame. And I... It was, I mean, a, it was as though... I, I suspect there might be some sort of arson involved because uh, the place went up with astonishing speed. I fetched the fire extinguisher and and, and uh, attempted what I could and couldn't keep up with the thing. And Dunbar was lost in uh, no time at all, the poor man. We do think he was the target, perhaps of some sort of uh, bomb or accelerant or something thrown through the window. Yeah, the. The constables at that point do tend uh, do try to focus in on that moment of in their questioning. Can you describe the window? Did it did it shatter and then the flame uh, erupted, or was it a case of that something hit the window and then it burst into flame outside? That they're, they're trying to ascertain whether it was a Molotov yes. or whether it was like an incendiary grenade. We what were, it sounds like they're trying to do. We were in the middle of our conversation, and the glass shattered, and then it was almost like a fan of flame behind his chair 
and then he burst into flame like something came and set like a ball of fire all around him like an accelerant alcohol or uh, petrol or something and uh and then it splashed and went everywhere in the room i dove out the door i uh, and then melvin tried to uh extinguish it with the fire extinguisher i pulled the the thingy on the wall and uh, okay. yelled for fire uh i've worked with mr dunbar for quite a number of years um he deserved better than whatever happened. I I mean, I just feel it necessary to add to get ahead of things that uh, Mr. Dunbar was targeted before and we were the ones who prevented his unfortunate death by arson just a few days ago. That's how I got. Uh, eh. Well, last night. It was last it was night. Case. Yeah, um, in which case, because these these are just like beat uh, beat constables. They wouldn't have heard about that. So you say that, and that's kind of suddenly again eyes open wide, and they're going, "What?" We, and they will that will open up a whole another level of questioning where they will ask you to go over details about that. So again, what uh, what kind of stuff do you tell them about the potential attack on Dunbar last night? Well, now we have to uh, ask for the police's discretion. Mm -hmm in discussing that matter because Mr. Dunbar we don't know what Mr. Dunbar's marital status is uh, he is single okay oh, we'd rather speak to a detective or somebody uh, it gets rather complicated at this point uh, as you said that can I have a group luck roll so whoever has the lowest luck what's my luck we're going to have to tell him the guy was having an affair I got 65 okay. 51 Leland oh um, mine is uh, above 51 so alright like it's uh, Melvin and that's a failure 61. Okay, fair enough. Um, in which case, yeah, you can ask for a detective. That's uh, obviously not a problem. They will they will call for one to come down because it sounds like this has suddenly got above a constable's pay grade. It just means that you're going to be tied up in a few more rounds yeah. of questions while they um, while they try to put the link these two what were at this point fairly disparate investi or investigations to disparate cases together because there is now suddenly a common link that they weren't aware of. Well, I've thank you, Leland. My we'd, mouth, I? <laughs> we'd forgotten about that part. Thank you, Leland, for reminding us. <laughs> I, I think then that's probably safe to say that that's going to uh, that's going to take up most of the remainder of the evening. Yeah, uh, they will ask for all of you to come down because you're saying you were all involved in this last night. Um, they're going to want you to go down to the local police station, which is obviously when blackout will happen because say sunsets and so on. Um, you're not going to be getting out until after dark, and okay. it's going to be probably 10, 11 o'clock by the time you get out. It's going to have been a very long day for you. I, I was actually at home last night. 
Yeah, you weren't, you weren't involved. Well, yes. if, I, if, yes. I, if I if I if I don't mention that I was at home with Teresa, <laughs> perhaps you, you weren't with you weren't at Teresa's, but you were here today. So they're yes, still going to go through everything. And the fact that so you I'm, know know all of these guys by extension, I'm I'm not going to mention any supernatural, but the basic story is going to be that Miss uh, Teresa. Um, had who's seen people love around her. who who yeah, had seen but people. You have to ask her questions now. Good. Well, I'm going to well, not necessarily. I'm going to say that she saw people around her home, where her neighbors, and uh, we came to check it out, and we caught two of the blighters on the property trying to set the building on fire, and the reason why they were doing that is because. Miss Teresa is apparently having a, a delicate situation. A, a uh, she's been dallying with Mister Dunbar. That's why we want to talk to the detective because he can at least be discreet. And uh, fortunately, he wasn't there, nor was she. Um, and we, uh, they had an accelerant, and poor Mister Leland uh, was caught on fire and they ended up blowing each other now you'll have a police record of this because it the police did get there yeah. so we decided to come today and just warn mr dunbar that somebody might be trying to do something to him we didn't expect that they would try to blow him up in his office gotcha um uh as you're say you're giving this spiel, you'll be giving this to a detective Drake, okay. who is down at the uh, the local police station. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put admonishment in my voice because Miss Teresa tried multiple times to get the police to do something, and they did nothing. So that we took it into our own hands. Yeah, yeah. So this again probably is why this takes a bit of time is that they will be going through contacting the other uh, the local police station to Teresa. Uh, trying to find out why the hell have you done this? Why why do you need to take this seriously? And then going through, repeatedly going through this story with you for both that incident last night and this afternoon with all of you. But it's about 10 o'clock when midway through the, uh, going through this in the same room, uh, that there is a knock at the door and Drake is called out, leaving you alone in this, not the interrogation room, it's more of a meeting room. It's not that, um, not that officious. Um, but he comes back in with this kind of slightly surprised look on his face and just Parker kind of folds up his notes, puts them in a folder and says, I, th um, I think we're about done. And he was midway through questioning you. And now he's just saying, you're done. You're free to go. Okay. I am. Well, I know this is not normal. Hell no, this, this is ringing all kinds of, uh, not necessarily alarm bells, but in fact, I, Edgar can give me a um, can give me either an education or int role. Okay. Oh, I got an O four on my education. I passed. This this reeks of someone higher up has just pulled strings and basically said, "Leave these people the hell alone." Yep, it's happened to me before too. So. Mm. Yeah, Drake just gathers his paperwork and says, I can show you to the um, to the exit, obviously, if you like. Uh, remember that, obviously, going home, blackout precautions are still in effect. Don't uh, 
don't have any lights and I hope you get home safely. This is uh, uh, Investigator Drake. Yes, uh, the Detective Drake. Yes, Detective Drake. We've been speaking with him for a few hours now, but yeah, for him to just suddenly stop like this and to let you go is, yeah. Can I be the I, last I guess, one yeah. out of the door? Because I definitely want to talk to Detective Drake. Well, and try yeah. and pull on my occupation once more and say, I... "Hey, give us the name." Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do the right thing here. Of who told you to stop? Ooh. Well, and I, as I'm doing it too, I want to hand him my card and give him a look like, you know, are you sure yeah. you want to not question us? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm going to lean on, hey, you know, I was also a lobbin as well. So right. okay. yeah, I don't think it would take a role to get, uh, to get him to say, but he looks at you and just nods and says, this this came from the top of Scotland Yard to say that you're to you're to head out of here. Oh my god! All right, then we'll we'll just leave. No more questions. Good evening, for Drake, because he's he's pretty. I'm pretty shocked. Edgar, what do you think that's all about? Things, uh, fingers are getting pointed more and more at this Aurora girl as well as this Whitaker, because they're both very rich and wealthy and powerful. But I you think know, Aurora is more powerful. Your, your of... way was paved this this afternoon for you to find the information. But why and... would he help us and also set someone on fire? Well, like I say, we Unless don't know that involved, he was involved yeah. in the fire, but. Somebody wants us to figure out what's going on. Does Smith work for Aurora? We no, need no. to we need to keep asking questions. Or investigation. Yes. I'm hoping this Mr. Drake might. I I was quite rude and mean to him, but at the same time, he seems oh, he's a capable it. investigator. So go find the others. I managed to nab a fire extinguisher from the office building, and uh, it's in my vehicle right now. I suggest that we get more fire extinguishers and also pick up some fire-resistant clothing, should we not want to have burns for the rest of our lives. Mm. Not fun. I'm, not sure. I'm not sure what firemen had available to them. I think mostly leather this point because they definitely had fire resistant clothing it's 1940s mm -hmm. so certainly not to the degree we have it today right but they would right. be i'd say like um i think there were big sleeps after world war ii in fire resistant stuff i believe that theater curtains are already made out of asbestos well that's I do wonder materials that won't harm you nothing safer than a some soft asbestos clothing. We could all have suits made. Well, you know what they would have... That sounds quite delightful. They would have probably used wool as well, because wool doesn't catch fire very easily. Especially if it's damp. Right. Mm, I love right. the thought of wearing damp clothes. <laughs> Till the water boils on your skin, then... <laughs> then you get unlucky. 
it has been, as mentioned a couple of times, unseasonably warm this time of year. So maybe wearing something, as long as it's nice and cool and damp, might actually be vaguely refreshing to uh, take you off the heat. Where shall we go? Um, back. Well, to it place? is quite late, and all the lights are off because of. Uh... You can all come back to my my big mansion. Yes, let's. Let's uh let's check how Teresa's doing as well. She's probably worried sick that you haven't uh come home, Melvin. Or she's well, been picked up by the police. She was talked to by the police. My guess is when they told him to let us go, they let her go without Right. She'd she'd be back where Melvin left her. Yes, we could go around mine then since Teresa's already there. All right. Yeah, I have sandwiches and uh, I think a large port. <laughs> I'll join you there. And let us all remember that we have failed miserably. We didn't save the man's life. We that failed. True. We well, were, we I, uh, Dr. Gross and I were doing research. Yes, we, yes, were, we actually we were... succeeded quite well. Well, to the yes. point. It was Teresa who came to us for help, not Dunbar, and frankly, Dunbar's uh, a bit of a cad. Just bear in mind, I don't think you were saving Dunbar. Oh, still, the the, the death of any man uh, diminishes us. So I've known him for eighteen years, and I saw him. I saw his skin boil off. Well, when we embrace, when we embrace the fiery star, you know, you learn to. Melvin, Could what we... are you going to do for your job? Uh, You're now unemployed. No, can... the office will be reconfigured. I'm not a part of it, so I won't be in control of that. But, uh, you know, we all also... work for me, Melvin. Ooh, uh, but... If you keep talking about fiery stars, I think I'll keep well clear. Well, we've seen a lot of little pieces of evidence that shows to somebody using black magic or fire magic. Uh, was that magic? Was it fire magic? It's, it's been twice now. I mean, it was living flame. You know, Dr. Gross, instead of saying cryptic things, tell us what you think. What do I think? I think... Well, there is something you might think, being an occultist. Um, mm -hmm. But, looking at our chat, we have a request for a break. Can we take a few minutes? Oh, sure. I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart Right, after that quick uh, commercial break for fire extinguishers, uh, we'll do a quick uh, roll on a cult for George and for Davidges, our two uh, occultly inclined individuals, following that something that, uh, that Davidge said. 54 out of 70 irregulars. I got a four. Is that my second four of the evening, I think? Oh, so that's that's an extreme, I'd hope, then. with uh... Yeah. Right. Well, obviously, George then... Uh, when Davidge makes that kind of offhand comment of fire magic, that 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's plenty of uh, instances that you can think of about fire magic that there's definitely those symbolic people worshipping flame and so on but the thing that comes to mind straight for da uh, for Davidge almost pretty much as soon as it comes out of your mouth about fire magic pyromancy, pyromancy. that there is uh, this is one that even goes back to reference that is name checked in the bible um, I believe it's in the book of Leviticus where it is one of the seven forbidden arts where they basically the can uh, canon law says that it is forbidden to practice various different types of mancies so whether it be necromancy um the bizarrely named spatulamancy which is not not as it uh, sounds it isn't like divination by uh, by kitchen utensils it's via bones but also uh, things like necromancy talking with spirits they're all ways of divination divination and right. that yeah, you are you are aware of pyromancy is definitely a, definitely a thing. Yeah, totally fire with your mind. So it would imply that somebody outside the building could be controlling the fire from that particular point of view. But Melvin, you seem to feel as if the fire itself was thinking or angry or exuding some sort of an emotion which is very strange isn't uh correct me if i'm wrong but isn't pyromancy meant to predict the future well yes usually well then future prediction maybe that's why they're i mean that wouldn't make any sense though in this mm -hmm. context, they're controlling fire to cause yeah. uh, damage. It's almost like maybe pyrokinesis. Yes. Mm. Uh, we've resumed this conversation having gone back to my flat. Is that? Yeah. Uh, okay. And and we found Teresa in what condition? State or? She'd probably be asleep at this point upstairs. So she's had a, a trying well, several days at this point, so right. a whole week. So she is still on, not quite on the verge of physical exhaustion, but she'll be in a comfortable, natural sleep upstairs where you could probably dismantle the house around her and she'd still be asleep. Fair enough. But she's not missing and she's not frightened and the police didn't harass her to death and so on. No, not, not at all. You can probably even hear her snoring upstairs. Not that you'd ever tell her that she snores. But... Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so uh, what I, gentlemen, uh, you know, I I wasn't with you last night. I didn't see what you saw. What I saw today was something like a little living white hot flame that seemed to move with intentionality. Did you see anything like that last night? I, oh, one of us did. I can't remember. I don't yes, I think I saw... Uh, an orb like that dropped down near the gasoline can dropped from and, the sky and dr gross has been saying that he saw something in the sky yes the living stone I, how would you go about ascertaining the star was alive i could see it moving it's definitely alive and I don't I mean, say I it was a star. Bad. 
It was just fire. It's like God staring down at us, passing his judgment. Quite frankly, Melvin, Dr. Gross has been acting a little different ever since he's seen that. Yes, uh, more poor than anyone? <laughs> yes, yes, come With on. Pleasure. So, if we think that this conflict between uh, Aurora and Whitaker is the foundation of this business, do we think that now that the the plastic surgeon and his lawyer have been immolated, that it's done? Or do we think that there's further mayhem to come? Maybe we're looking at this wrong. Maybe Aurora isn't the problem. Maybe Aurora is next on the, the list of people going to burn to death. And So it's Whitaker? Yes. Because I don't see a reason why Aurora would burn to death her plastic surgeon who did an incredible job. Well, he did a remarkable job of sculpting her face, but if she can't move it and she's ashamed to be seen in public, she might still be rather cross. Yes, I, but it wouldn't I be his see. fault. Yeah, it wouldn't be his fault. Unless she's mad. And I mean, Well, if she's mad, then it's just the blind fury that she's lashing out at everyone, but then why meticulously attack the people who are helping you? Because this is planned. Well, it certainly can't be a coincidence that we determined that the attack at Teresa's was on Dunbar, and then they struck more directly the next day. Right. We need to get and we need to talk to Aurora as soon as possible. That's what I feel like we need to do, because she might not have enough to, uh, like for long. And what if should we not talk to Whitaker also? If he's, I mean, if she blames her plastic surgeon and the lawyer, presumably she blames the man that she sued in the first place. Well, we'll get her opinion on that from herself. So you think she used pyromancy to burn people up, and then we'll chat with her, and she'll say, "Oh yes, I'm planning to get Whitaker next." I don't plan. I, I don't think that she used pyromancy. That's a thing. Well, somebody has been using uh, unnatural means. Right. We're not going to mention any of that. We just want her motives for and, and how, what she thinks of the situation and the people that she has been involved with in the past. What excuse do we have for questioning her, though? That is a good point. Oh. I'd, say, I'd say try to find enough connections. See, well, see we can simply there's... say that we think she's next in a string of arsons, and that she should be careful. That could be like poking the bear inside of its den. Well, maybe that's exactly what we have to do in order mm -hmm. to get results. What results are we after, precisely? I want to see how she reacts to the information, and I want to try and read her. Yeah. And should we poke at the right spots, then... She'll come to trust us and give us more information. It's free for us to what ask. If, 
what if we trace all of the connections between these people first and then maybe come up with a hypothesis as to what might be going on? I don't think we have the we'll, full picture. We'll know who to poke. Well, one thing I'd like to know is Jesus, you say it's an it. altar in the basement. The most pertinent thing, the thing that's driving me mad is what were they sacrificing to? And what if it's what if it's not their sacrifice? Well, I mean, I'm just going off of what seems to be the common wisdom. What if it's the thing that the that the fireball wants to go to? to be. You, as an occultist, you described it as rather an altar, and there was traces of blood on it. I well, believe we determined it was human blood. Maybe it's the thing the fire wants to go to, in which case you probably do not want to keep it under a tarpaulin in your garden. Well, if it burns a tarpaulin, I don't care, but... If that thing comes down and strikes the tarpaulin in your back garden, do you think your house is going to be very well off? Well, it's not anywhere near my house. Oh, you keep your garden very far from your house. Well, it's actually on the cement. The thing bounces around. It set um, his entire office on fire in less than 20 seconds. I mean, if you're sanguine about it, you know, all well and good for you, but I wouldn't keep the thing. So far, we haven't been targeted. I'm thinking of um, you know, esoteric magic, uh, stuff like the Key of Solomon and so forth, drawing circles and triangles on the ground and then using them to summon demons. Um, the triangle trapping or the demon in place. Uh, the I'm trying to remember is a um, alchemical symbol for fire. So that you've got a, a direct correspondence there that would imply well, a say a use for it. Yes, we didn't see any writing on it. If it had the tetragrammaton and so forth on there, there's nothing like that. No. Well, we don't know what it's for, but somebody's using fire to attack. And they're trying to attack these people for some reason. Um, somebody wanted them dead. And so far, we've learned that there are four players, Aurora and Whitaker, and the two dead men. When there's a fifth mysterious party, this Smith, who seemed to have targeted Dunbar, but assisted you in learning about Aurora. Right. Which I don't think he's an enemy, then. Well, he's an enemy of Dunbar's, I dare say. Why do you think that, though? Right? Because well, why would he help us get in contact and find information about Aurora? Well, why, if he's a fake detective and a fake businessman, did he make an urgent appointment to see Dunbar about 30 seconds before something slammed through into Dunbar's office and burst into violent flame? What if he's well, we another we investigator <laughs> like us? Trying to figure things out. Well, he's not Maybe very team spirited then. I what if it's Whitaker who's which is behind the thing, and so he used the uh, information at the doctor's office to point toward Aurora. Then we still need to ask Aurora herself and to gauge her out. So that's why I want to see her as soon as possible. Maybe in the morning. Well, you're not going to like me saying this, but if you do that, which it might be a good move, we don't want to be with you because if you That's are targeted, fine by me. then at least we'll know 
if I burn to death tomorrow, knock on wood, you know who to go after. I want to be with I want to go with you, to be honest. Well, then you can come with me, uh, Dr. Gross. I also want to come with you because, goddammit, you saved my life from burning. I owe you one. And you and Aura have something in common that might um, help her. uh... That is a good point. Yeah. You know I do the same for you, John. I will, not not out of cowardice, but I will stand back and assess the damage if there is any. Hopefully you'll be on the right track. Then maybe you two can investigate Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did say that I shan't be busy tomorrow at Dunbarn Associates. I mean, if you have any skill with drugs, I could hire you at the pharmacy, but I doubt it. Oh, I don't mean that I'm out of a job. I just mean that I think the office is going to be closed for uh, the time being. Little one. And since I was the one who did the most to put the fire out, I don't think that the partners are going to give me any bother at all about taking a few days for myself. Well, it sounds like we have a plan then. They'll be doing restructuring Mm -hmm. for a while, so yeah, you don't have to worry about the day job for a bit. But indeed, as as Edgar says, it seems like you have a plan. So, if everyone's happy, we can fast forward to tomorrow morning, and then you can divide and conquer unless there's anything else you want to do overnight. I don't think we can procure more fire extinguishers and wool armor (laughs) in the middle of the night when nothing is open. So Yeah, a bit bit difficult in the evening. Well, when it comes to getting things that people want, gross will pay. He kind of has more money than sense. (laughs) I will say that there, uh, yes, uh, glass blowing establishments must have some very good asbestos gloves and things that uh, will be light and not full body kit, but helpful. Similar to what you mentioned about um, blacksmiths, that they would have big, uh, heavy gauntlets to help with uh, pulling brands out of um, of furnaces and uh, whatever the thing's called. But yes. Yeah, and you you just need to borrow them or rent them. You don't need to buy until we get to the bottom of this. That way, it's it looks even less suspicious. Right. Well, it sounds like if you're going on a bit of a procurement run first before you go before you're going anywhere else, um, who is who wants to give me a credit rating roll to see what amount uh, what amount you can procure? George, aren't you the one with the money? Yeah, some silence as well. It, it it should probably be me. I'm sure it's hell not paying. Okay, let's go. Credit what? Well, I got an O2, sir. Wow. With it being that low, um, I'd say you can buy equipment for all for, uh, for all five of you then. I'm not gonna put any restrictions on a on a roll that good. So, yeah, you can consider yourself having brought effectively full body uh, covering. So there's things like leather gauntlets, uh, big, thick woolen uh, woolen clothing, 
again maybe even with uh, with leather padding around various parts of it as well leather uh, leather coverings over that and this will count as fire fire retardant armor so if you get hit with let's say a ball of flame wants to decide it's going to touch you and uh, share its big uh, happy warm glow you will have an armor rating against that ooh we look like keep uh, us safe for two seconds before it burns its way through. Maybe that two seconds will <laughs> be maybe. all that matters. Might be all you need. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll say that doesn't take with again that good a role that uh, George knows. Maybe suddenly has a brainwave overnight, thinking, "I know someone who I can call for that." Yeah. And that you um, you think of glass blowing, you think of blacksmiths, and there's a couple of places that you can ring up. Um, you will have you can have that done and arranged for stuff to be dropped off at your place by midday. So that still gives you the morning to be able to go and do what you want to do. Or if you want to be paranoid and wait, then you can turn up at Aurora's place wearing full fire retardant clothing. That's completely up to you. <laughs> I'm I'm assuming we also got fire extinguishers as well ordered. Oh, easy enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, I feel like we should just talk to Aurora right away. Uh, right, so for those of us who are going, and I don't know the plan for Whitaker. Right, so but... we'll do Edgar, George, and John going to see Aurora first of all, and then we'll go over to Davidge and Melvin to go to uh, the hotel over in Chelsea, uh, the Riverside Hotel, which is where Whitaker's offices are. So, um, for Edgar, Edgar, John, and George, then. Um, Greenwich is lovely this time of year, uh, particularly the where you're going is one of the most picturesque parts of London. You've got the hill that goes up towards the Royal Observatory and the road around here. There are just these incredibly large, expensive kind of manor house, townhouse affairs um, that have um, usually a, a couple of steps that lead up to a large door and then the sidewalk or the pavement and then out to the street. So they are grand affairs but they are right on the uh, kind of right on the street with this wonderful view on the other side of the road and yeah you, you find the the address that you remember having seen for aurora uh, great big door it's a three-story building uh, stretches out left and right takes up a large part of the block um, you can see plenty of windows lots of curtains drawn it looks like they haven't really bothered uh drawing them yet from the blackout precautions from the previous night but you can you can maybe see that a couple maybe one or two of them start to be uh start to draw so you, you get the impression there are people inside yeah. and so you have quite this big, yeah this big black uh massive door with a uh pull bell outside it even has a little slit that it opened that it can open up rather than having the door open up uh it would open inward so Rather than open open it to see who it is, they can just have this little mail slit that opens up. Opening inward, that's a fire hazard. <laughs> that that's quite normal for uh, for lots of uh, lots of front doors. They very rarely out open out into the street. All right, then. Well, I guess we'll give the knocker uh, a good wrapping. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You uh, you wrap or pull the bell, whichever. There's there's both. You can even do you can even do a combination of both if you wanted. Yeah, Gross will get the bell, I'll get the... And then John will just knock with his hands. Okay. And <laughs> maybe about um, 30 seconds pass, and then you hear through the very thick door, um, you hear the faint impressions of footsteps on the other side, and then the slit opens up, so you see pretty much just the uh, glasses and eyes of a of a man behind there. So, um, yes? 
Good morning. This is Private Investigator Edgar Ongrave, along with uh, a doctor of the occult arts, Dr. George Gross, as well as my uh, my friend here, John Leland. We have something that we'd like to bring to the attention of the lady of the house, Aurora, that does very much concern her about uh, some associates of hers who have ended up dead. Oh, I see. Well, I'm afraid Miss uh, Miss Williams, he pointedly says Miss Williams rather yes. than uh, Aurora using her first name. So unfortunately, Miss Williams isn't taking visitors. If you have something you wish to communicate to her, uh, you can leave it in writing and I can have it delivered to her if you wish. And he uh, slides the the shutter closed with a very definite thunk. Uh, you can give me a psychology roll if you wish. Yeah. Any, gotta... any of the three of you as you were all there? Um, yeah, so I'll roll just... 42 out of 50. Ah, oh, 09. Nice. 62 out of 50, so I failed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Leland especially gets these vibes. Um, probably with Edgar having a little say, definitely there's an inkling that something wasn't, not exactly wasn't quite right, but there's something that Edgar, or, um, rather John, is able to tap on there that, yeah, this guy wasn't going to let you in unless you had some very, very, very serious clout behind you. I mean, I mean that's the, kind of expected. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, but the lady, the lady of the house, saying obviously you're not to be disturbed. Even a a valet or servant, if it's um, if they're presented with, hey, your kind of employer's life is at risk here, would maybe have at least gone to have a word with them to convey this. No, he was blanket outright. He was not going to let you in unless you've got some massive clout behind you. Maybe there's maybe he was under orders, but something again. This, yeah, that's. This feeling of oddness and that feeling of something just isn't right. Mm. Before we leave, I want to look in the driveway and see if there's any recent tracks leaving or if it looks like shh, there's not been a car left for a long time. Uh -huh. well, th these particular types of properties, there's no driveway that kind of goes out to the front of the building. You would have to go around a side street that would then get you to a road that goes around the back, which would then probably lead you to a courtyard, so there'd probably be a set of big gates around there. But you can indeed take a wander around there. And I think as you use the uh, the wonderful word beginning with T, you can give me a track roll to see if you can uh, ascertain what happened there. Well, I will spend 12 to pass. Right. In which case, then, um, you do indeed, you take a wander around, um, looking up maybe slightly paranoid every so often just to see, hey, the, this place is quite high. It's three stories. There might be some way at the back that someone could see you coming over the uh, over the back wall. And indeed, you catch sight. There are some windows there. Most of the curtains are shut, though, so you're not really seeing anyone blatantly looking down at you. But there's always the potential that someone could be looking. You just haven't seen them. Working your way around, there is indeed so this big gate, and there are a number of tracks that come out from um, that come out from it where they've uh, they've crossed over either some like oil drops uh, on the ground or maybe there's some mud patches around there or sort of grass where it's crossed over. But there's two things that you spot. One of which is kind of normal. You see regular tire tracks for what you presume is a fairly nice car. Um, Maybe not being exactly well versed in oh this particular tire tread means it's like a maybe like a Rolls Royce or something. Uh, it's their tire tracks for a car. That's about as much as you can ascertain on a regular success. But they're also tire tracks for a truck that you do see. 
So a big heavy vehicle has been round here in the not too distant, um, not too distant past. Yeah, we What's heard a truck on? on the night of the uh, attack on Teresa's house. You certainly did. So now it's looking like she's the one who's guilty or causing all this. What do you want to do? We just need to get out of here. Let's not leave any notes. Okay. So in which case, the poor butler behind the door, anxiously waiting for that letter to come through the door to give to his uh, to give to his employer that says her life is in uh, life is in danger, is probably going to have to give up and uh, go and read his newspaper or something. Oh, I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> I think I'll just leave my my contact information on. I don't want to endanger anyone else. So. I'll give them my office and not my home address. Okay, so you you give them a target that is well away from where you live, or well away from where you live, just yeah. where you work. And then I can collect on the insurance. <laughs> <laughs> what else are the rich good for? You know. <laughs> All right, yeah, you can leave your business card through the through the letterbox. That is not a problem, and then you can get the hell out of there before anyone notices you. Yep. All right, and cutting across then to Chelsea, where there's the the grand imposing structure that is the uh, Riverside Hotel, uh, part of the uh, the chain of hotels that is owned by uh, Whitaker. Uh, well, you know where his offices um, are there. This place, again, radiates power, authority, money. This is a great big phallic monolith of a building that shoots up into the sky that is... Um, well appointed and fits in with the landscape around here. This just radiates power and authority and the size of something that it may be compensating for. So, which of you has the lower luck? I think from memory it was uh, was Melvin beforehand, unless uh, David just spent a whole load of it. No, no I, 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 I'm still at 51 after my earlier expenditure. Yeah. Give me a roll to see if you have a, um, a fortuitous encounter there. Second luck roll, second near fail, 56 for 51. Before I spent, I would have passed, spent, and I fail. Ah, well, that's the that's the way the cookie crumbles then. Um, which case, as you arrive, you notice there are various obviously, taxis pulling up, uh, people in like fur coats and other such. Uh, or at least they are maybe not wearing a fur, fur coat in this weather. But they are dressed in such a manner that you can obviously tell that the clientele, the clientele that arrive here are loaded. Uh, this is a, a very expensive building, a very uh, respectable place in a very affluent part of London that caters to a very rich client base. And as you are uh, coming up to the building, um, there you see there's actually a uh, lady that's been escorted out by a couple of a uh, couple of security guards. Um, she's not exactly dressed like she's poor, but she's definitely more working class, shall we say, just like regular clothes. Um, that she's not being quite manhandled, but there's a couple of guards with like an arm, uh, one grabbing either, uh, an arm either side of her, and they're just taking her over to a taxi and just like not throwing her in, but definitely making sure that she gets in inside and then knocking on the taxi door for her to get driven away. You have not seen this lady before, but it's such a it's such a scene. You you see it and you kind of clock her face, but she doesn't look at all familiar. Yeah, um, a middle aged, younger, older. Uh, you think she's probably younger side of 
younger side of 30 so or, or early 30s rather than later 30s perhaps a uh unlikely to have been a client at the hotel wouldn't you say damage yes, perhaps most likely employee who's unwelcome or or perhaps uh, did something uh, stole something from somebody's room and was thrown out uh would be possibly cheaper to throw her out rather than alert the authorities and get involved in some sort of legal uh, thing um I, i've got a question for you um uh, you recall what uh what edgar and uh and george and john said um now whitaker is the owner of a number of hotels is he not yes uh, this is one of them this is where his office is how again is he involved so he owns this uh, a family of luxury hotels. It was his hotel in Switzerland in which Ms. Williams uh, was burned. Uh, she sued him for damages, and Dunbar represented him. Uh, so that is a good motivation if she's if she's wanting to you know get rid of this and and did he want he won she didn't win correct yes that's season. right so yeah. i think i think you should um send it you know we'll stop at uh uh the front desk ask for a bit of hotel stationery you can uh slip your card to it and say we wish for a few minutes of Mr. Whitaker's time regarding our concerns and a recent series of arsons. If the fellow's been reading the papers, then he'll know what we have in mind. Oh, yes, yes, that sounds like a good idea. Um, so, yeah, we'll now we wonder if they're going to be the medicine at all. Um, we'll try. Say so we're here on, oh, on official business. Mm -hmm. It's a big entrance. There's uh, lots of doors that they, they couldn't hold them all shut for you. So. I, well, we're respectable gentlemen. It's not as though I don't have my jacket any longer. I've ordered a new one from Savile Row, but... Uh, you should uh, stop burning your jackets. It's a terrible habit. Well, they've saved my life twice, I suppose. Uh, well, they weren't called smoking jackets for nothing, you know. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, let's, let's see how we do. We'll go in. Yeah, you, you, um, you can head into the reception. Yours, the the grand lobby, it's a massive chandelier that uh, lights the place up. Again, there's furniture here that's like worth a, a year's uh, pay for you. It's yeah. it's again, it's affluent and very decadent, very luxurious. Uh, there's a large marble uh, counter where you can see various receptionists which are obviously that would be the point of co uh, point of contact for you really because you don't really know where you're going and wandering around a hotel like this they're not just going to let people in off the street to wander around right now i do have a credit rating of 65 so that i least know how to properly act <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah so walk up to the concierge uh, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, could, he, he sees it, you coming and he'll see he's quite uh, ready and primed for you. So, uh, good morning, sir. Uh, good morning. Um, not here to stay, but uh, uh, here on a bit of business. Um, uh, I'd like to uh, pass a message to Mr. Whitaker if he's here today. Oh, um, he so pulls up 
pen and paper out. Um, you can see that there's definitely he re he's reacted in a particular way that maybe he's a little surprised, but yeah, I mean, he definitely gets a notepad and paper out. What what was the message there? The message is um, that we would like a few moments time with him. We realize that he is an extremely busy man, but we've recently come from uh, London. Uh, uh, there's been a number of personal attacks uh, on a number of people in, in the city. And um, his name came up on our list. And we wanted to warn him that his uh, that he may be in some danger. If I may, Green, uh, sorry, uh, Melvin Spofford Harris with Dunbar and Associates. Uh, Esquire. Spofford Harris Esquire, yes. Um, we don't mean to alarm Mr. Whitaker. We are aware, however, that there have been a series of recent arsons. And we are concerned that he might be a target of these arsonists in future. Um, it'll be easier to explain if we, again, can have a, a moment of his time. We'll be, yes. Now, ironically, something that Davidge said would give you a penalty die on this roll, but something that Melvin has said will give you a bonus die on this roll. So... Whoever wants to give me a credit rating roll to see if you are upstanding enough people that are worthy of the concierge getting you through to Mr. Whitaker. Credit rating? Uh, oh, two on uh, yeah, 65. So extreme. Right. Uh, particularly then, with again, with that good a roll, you can identify what was maybe the thing that gave you that uh, kind of positive and negative. The minute you're talking about, oh, there's a threat to him. It's that kind of you can almost see the reaction of oh god not again is the right. kind of, uh, oh, yeah. look that comes over him, but then when Melvin says no actually we were Dunbar and Associates that's a case of oh actually yeah you must be serious then because apparently he recognises the name, wow. so he's yeah if you'd like to uh, to wait over here for one second gentlemen uh, I will I will just go and see if Mister Whitaker's free for a moment and he um, he probably tells off. And Walk over minutes. to the, the central table in the atrium where all of the flowers are blooming. And like, uh, oh, peonies, I love peonies. What are the peonies doing blooming this time of year? They must have them shipped in from a fire. <laughs> See, unseasonable warm weather. Yeah. Yeah, there's even things like uh, nice uh, ice water decanters there that have got slices of lemon and lime in as well. So, again, high-class joint. And about five minutes or so, uh, the concierge comes back and uh, sees you with a smile and says, "If you'd like to uh, follow me, uh, follow me through. I'll take you to Mr. Whitaker's office now. He'll he'll see you." Yes, of course. Right, and he leads you through this kind of labyrinthine network of corridors deep into the deep into the building. You wouldn't have been able to find this unless you knew where you were going. So being able to actually have someone there show you the way is uh, definitely a plus here it also means though you know now you know the way there so if you wanted to go back you could find your own way so um, he takes you up to this wonderful set of double doors he knocks and this uh quite uh not booming voice but definitely loud authoritarian voice on the other side says come in and 
he opens the door up and oh, these be the uh, the two gentlemen that uh, wish to talk to you from uh, Dunbar and Associates. Which point, uh, Whitaker? He's a slightly older man. He's in his uh, probably late fifties, early sixties at this point. If I remember right. I'll quickly uh, scoop back to his profile to get an exact age for you. Uh, he is. But, uh, yeah, he's in his late fifties, early sixties. So, oh, uh, well, not quite. I was looking wrong. He's fifty-one, so early fifties. But um, he has a pipe hanging out of his uh, hanging out of his mouth. There's definitely the smell of tobacco, uh, tobacco air in the room. Otherwise, fairly uh, so swept-back, uh, dark hair, uh, very fine suit. Again, the whole apparel of the office is again just reeks money and authority. And he leans back in his chair and looks uh, looks towards you. As yeah, so the the concierge here said that you were from uh, Dunbar and Associates. So we'll see. Oh, Mister Dunbar, being my uh, my lawyer, what was the uh, what was the problem? I've got a couple of uh, couple of deals going through at the minute. So which which case is this related to? Is there a large window behind him? <laughs> There's three. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to defer to uh, Mister Spafford Harris Esquire. To do the talking, and I'm going to go get the fire extinguisher. Okay, which yeah, will you... look very odd, except that. Yeah, no, no problem. Hopefully, he'll explain to this. But, yeah. but I don't know unless you told me. I don't know where you're going, but it becomes I... obvious in a moment. Yes, it will. <laughs> uh, yes, um, uh, Mr. Whitaker. Um, I'm sure you're um, very much up on current events, but perhaps you're not aware about of the of the fire at Dunbar Associates. Um, he looks genuinely surprised and a little bit shocked. Uh, the fire? Yes, sir. That's what brings us here. Uh, oh, you don't have to get all that paperwork signed again. I mean, that was that was a lot of paperwork I had to go through. I'm afraid that's the very least of it, sir. Mister Dunbar's was killed oh so i've got to find a new lawyer oh joy well I'm, the firm of course would be delighted to retain you as a client and hopefully most of the data and paperwork has survived but the, the other reason that i'm that we came here sort of urgently to ask for an audience is that dr paul chamberlain also died recently and also by fire he he his eyes narrow slightly and he shakes his head uh, am i supposed to know the name uh perhaps not sir uh paul chamberlain was the uh, plastic surgeon that operated on aurora williams his eyes at that point open wide and you can see his face starting to go red um Maybe if you could see him starting to crack his knuckles and squeeze the life out of the desk in front of him, you might hear the wood starting to snap. Um, his urge to kill meter is starting to reach 11. You've, you've definitely touched a nerve. Uh, so, um, again, we don't want to take up any more of your time, and I'm sure that the office will be approaching about the paperwork at Dunbar Associates, but we, a, a few of us and I, aware of a couple of there, there was an arson the night before the dunbar fire you see 
So I'm quite certain that Mr. Dunbar was intentionally the victim and quite certain that Paul Chamberlain was also intentionally immolated. And so if there's anything that you can do to protect yourself against the possibility of fire, sir, I think it would be in order. Right. Um, once again, having got your, you've got your foot in the door and then put your foot firmly in it by mentioning uh, Aurora's name, which is say, like flagging or waving a red flag to a bull. Uh, you can give me a persuade roll with above with a what would have been a bonus die and then promptly taken away with a penalty die. Just over 50 50. 66. Does that sound like we're in the range of luck? Do you want to save this man's life or try to save I, that much? I think, yes, I think that 11 is a reasonable sacrifice to try to get through to a man who otherwise is going having seen what dunbar went through i don't want that to happen to any others so. he is on the verge this close to screaming at you to get the fuck out of his office when you mention aurora's name yeah. but you're able to you're able to pull it back being a uh, being a consummate diplomat and being someone who is able to uh quietly and calmly and logically step through this argument to say no your life is in danger here and maybe the words it takes a little bit of time to sink in where it has you wondering for a moment is he going to buy it is he actually going to listen to us and get get this through his thick head and maybe a savage comes in well comes in with a fire extinguisher and starts taking up position by the windows behind him that you think actually yeah, the scales have tipped and he is accepting of what you're saying now, for for davidge as you're over by the window thankfully looking outside there's no ball uh orbs of flame uh flying through the sky out there but you do notice a couple of things that maybe maybe might be valuable for later um there is a fire escape outside of his uh, outside of his office window okay so there is a very small exterior like a balcony uh, with a ladder that then goes down the side of it. You're on the, again, like the first floor, so American second. Sure. So there is a single story drop below you. And that goes out to somewhere that you think might be approximate of the, the loading bay, where, where like laundry would come in for, uh, for external uh, deliveries and the such, mm -hmm. the back end of the building. So yeah, it just strikes you that, yeah, you could get a big, big truck or lorry down there without any, without any problem. But right. thankfully, no ball, no balls of fire, and no little triangles of uh, stone underneath the desk. Or now you you have a good you have a good look around. <laughs> Nothing. It, it may seem quite odd what we're doing here, but we were actually in the office with Mister Dunbar when he was attacked. Somebody seemed to throw something through the window. Uh, that's why I have the fire extinguisher. We wouldn't want you to be attacked in this manner. Um, how much access is there, there to this building? Uh, uh, should... What do you mean access? It's a, it's it's a, a public building. building. Yeah. Uh, oh, public. I'm, the... he, he almost scoffs at that. I'm not letting the members of the general public come in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. 
Mr. Whitaker, so as it as it happens, we know that two nights ago, Mr. Dunbar was targeted at a private home, but he he wasn't at an assignation there, and so the, the he was missed. So the next day, he was targeted in his offices. So if you might consider, given that you have, after all, ample, magnificent places from which to organize your business, if you could, if you would consider uh, for the short term, and we are in touch also with Scotland Yard, although nothing decisive is happening, but if you were to change your schedule a bit, uh, you might have the potential to thwart some assault. We, we again, we we're not certain that that person is behind it, but it seems a likely. We're trying to figure it out. Yes, but it, it, you have the opportunity if you if you would, perhaps you you know you could inspect some of your properties and other locales without giving away your itinerary, and then if an attempt is made, you'll be safe and far away. You, you can see him nodding, and there's evidently wheels turning internally, trying to work out various things. And after a moment, he looks up at you and very calculatingly says, as you know, then I am a very busy man. How long do you think I'm going to have to be going away for? Because there's only... Obviously, I've got so many balls up in the air, I need to be able to keep them juggling and keep them moving. So, what, what, yeah, so how long uh, are you thinking? Uh, you know, I, I expect that things haven't gotten so out of control so rapidly that uh, whatever the circumstances is, either we'll sh we should be able to solve it or the authorities shall, or it shall burn itself up. I, I would imagine a few days at most you should be inconvenienced. And I, I uh, Green, I'll take one of your cards, and here's my card as well. If you have any further questions. Uh... And and if you know of anybody, have you recent have you received any threats lately? He, he kind of scoffs and said, "Well, not so much threats, but I know the." Um... A couple of the ladies on the front desk have informed me there's been some uh, some lady or woman that's turned up, again, with similar kind of accusations or warnings from yourself saying, oh, my life's in danger. I've got to get out of here. But you know, uh, they've probably th thrown her out on her ear. Do you have a name? Uh, he just gives a description that he's been given, so it's kind of like secondhand, that vaguely could be approximating the lady that you saw thrown yeah. in the cab. I, I look at Melvin and I said, Joan Smith? <laughs> Melvin is in stun silence. Very, very much my thinking. Uh, also nondescript, wasn't she? No, no, she was, you well, in terms Not of general so clothing, but there was, she wasn't like a, like um, Smith level of um, anonymity. There was definitely distinguishing features. She looked normal. Well, they, they put her in a hotel, in a cab, so we won't know where she went. Uh, very well, Mr. Bittaker, you have our cards. 
we are actively looking into this matter and again so are the authorities and and i trust that dunbar and associates will be able to continue to provide you with services oh definitely definitely um an idea could you almost see like another light bulb goes off above his head so if you following your line of reasoning you think these people whoever they are are going to make some kind of attack on me and if it was to if they were so brazen to even attempt it in my uh the good gestures to the grandness of the structure in the um, in such a place as this. Um, I can have a word with my security team here and have a word with the front desk so that if you wanted to potentially use this place as a bait, but if they oh. did attempt to come here, that you are more than willing to uh, to use the room and lie and wait for them to turn up if that's what you think they might do. Well, that's an entirely reasonable uh, suggestion, I think, uh, Green. Yes, I looking around at you know the things in the room. I, hopefully, we will. Your security team will be able to prevent a fire if that is indeed how it, it seems like fire is their chosen method of attack. Mm -hmm. Right. I'd move anything or have moved anything truly valuable out before too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sir. Uh, I, I imagine your safe will probably be reasonably secure, but other uh, flammable things of import you might have removed as well as. And then I wouldn't tell you know so many more people than necessary where you what your itinerary is. Again, only, it should should be very long. Only your most trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. Nobody connected at all with. Uh, the woman or any of this no no it's a very small circle we don't need to worry worry about that I, i'm sure i can arrange for mostly with the obviously with the with the war travel overseas isn't exactly going to happen but i can maybe head up to one of my other establishments maybe up in maybe up in either birmingham or glasgow i can head up um, head up there for a couple of days uh and given the possibility that you are on the same list of enemies as it were with dunbar and chamberlain is there, are there any other names that you can that come to mind that might be people that have a grudge held against them <laughs> i wouldn't exactly say it's a long list but there's maybe enough people that would hold grudges to various different levels of severity i mean i'm a i'm a businessman you don't get to this kind of position without making a few enemies no, but, of course, sir. I mean specifically someone who resented you and Chamberlain and Dunbar. Hmm. Anyone well, else I, in that I, special club? I, I wouldn't have even uh, connected Dunbar, or not Dunbar, uh, connected this Chamberlain with oh, yes. that woman. And he, he can't even bring himself to say the name Williams. Any other people associated with that woman besides you and Dunbar? I, that would that would be a question for either maybe the newspapers or uh, or for her, but definitely no one I can put my finger on. Do you recall who her lawyer was? Well, her lawyer was Dunbar originally before I managed oh. to uh, make him a better offer. I see. So originally his. Uh, 
I'm wondering then who lost the case, which would be her next well, lawyer. It never became a case because I made an out-of-court... I, ah, I managed ah, to convince ah, Dunbar to make an out-of-court settlement. You settled, yes. And then afterwards, he promptly accepted another offer he couldn't refuse and became my lawyer. Hmm. Well, do be careful, sir. Hmm. Um, Is there someone... Who, with whom on your security staff should we speak about perhaps operating out of this space? You can have a word with Greenaway on the front desk. He'll be able to uh, be able to give you all the access you need. Very good, sir. Thank you again for your time. Uh, travel uh, safely. Hopefully all this mess will be cleaned up in no time. Yes, yes. I'll uh, start getting my stuff together immediately. And rather cinematically, I will place the fire extinguisher on his desk. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he gulps at that and decides, I might take this for, per for personal protection, you know, just in case. <laughs> and I think that's actually probably a fairly good point by which we can leave it for tonight. Not, not quite a cliffhanger, but a nice uh, ominous clang as the fire extinguisher goes down on the desk. Uh, excellent. Our players included Max Meltzer, Josh Harwood, Alex Sun, David Gasway, and myself, with Matthew Sanderson as the Keeper of Arcane Lore. We have a Discord server where you can chat with other members, you can set up private games, you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Spotify, Podbean, or iTunes. Support for the show is provided by our patrons who are listed in the closing credits. If you'd like to join them, please visit our Patreon page listed in the description. Or you can use Super Thanks by hitting the button just below the screen. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.